Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Thank you, worship team. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through 13. And we do have notes for you. And um, we're going to get it. You ready? Set. New King James Version. Go. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all ate the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock. You know, the first time I read this, I never heard it before, and I had no idea what they're saying. I'm like, man, I hope he translates that, and I will. Spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, And in one day, 23,000 fell, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Look at verse 10. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. The New International Version says, nor grumble, as some of them also grumbled and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, pardon me, not on what you're able, but with uh, temptation will also make a way of escape. Escape that you may be able to bear it. Father, move in power in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, we do have some notes for you and hope that uh, that will help you and you fill those in. And uh, thank you, my brother. And um, you fill those in as we move along. Had an amazing time in the Eagle River with the Eagle Riverians, the Eagle's Nest where they're raising up, <laughs> they're raising up leaders there, and there's so many people that I didn't know, and I just thought this is amazing. They have you all have built you and your team have built a marvelous work. Our building's too small, so get ready for that. We need a, we need another building. We need another facility. You get looking for it, amen. And that'll be a launching pad for starting Anchorage. We will start Anchorage. I'm just telling you, we're gonna do a work in Anchorage. Come on, can you can I get a better better amen? Because Anchorage needs another church, needs a church like ours. A lot of great churches there, I hope, I believe, I pray. Uh, But God's called us there, and so we're excited about doing that. He's called us everywhere. I said, he's called us everywhere. Everywhere he speaks to us to go, we will go. All right, let's get into this uh, text. In Exodus chapter 23, it says, For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. How many of you know what smite means? It basically means kill him. Kind of what happened to me as I was working out with my son today. I got smited. (laughs) It's a miracle I could make it up the stairs. Hallelujah. Pass through and smite or kill the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the... Can you put this up? This is all good. You guys are all over it. Exodus 12, verse 23, when he sees the blood, everybody say when he sees the blood. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over, everybody say pass over, pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer, the what? The destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. 
So you, you see this, right? The, the destroyer. Now, I, I've preached on this many times. You all see this. The destroyer. You see it? Okay, so that, that's a physical entity that kills stuff. Hence, destroy. This Exodus 23, 12, 23 is talking about the Passover. It's the final plague that comes on Egypt. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, all eight of you. I'm wonderful. One, that's wonderful, so I'll, I'll teach you. So the final plague was the death of the firstborn, and the instructions were to take the blood of a lamb, one for each household, kill it, and take its blood and put it on the doorpost and the lentil. So if you could come over here with me for a moment, this is the two doorposts, obviously the two sides of the door right here. One, two. What's the lentil? It's right here. It's right over the top. So what does this make? It makes a cross. It's a perfect picture of the cross. Now, they, they, they wouldn't have known that, I don't think, at that time, unless God had given them revelation. But the blood, the blood of a lamb on Passover would be on their doors. So when it comes in to kill stuff, it'd be like, oh, the blood's on the door. Go to the next house. And the firstborn of every single person and every single, uh, all the livestock, anything that wasn't covered by the blood, if I could just say it that way. If you were inside the house, it was covered by the blood, and you were the firstborn, you would live. But if you were outside of a house and you were the firstborn, outside of a house that didn't have the blood on it, you died. So Pharaoh's son died, and it was a plague. It was judgment on Egypt, and it's the final judgment, and then... Pharaoh let him go. That's a picture here. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10, I had you read it with me. It says, don't complain or grumble as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. This Passover is celebrated today by, by Jews and, and Gentiles alike. And, and we, we preach and talk about the Passover. You know what that's for us? It's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday because Jesus, how many of you remember when Jesus came to John the Baptist and he's like, what's up, John? He's like, yo, what's up? What did John the Baptist say? Behold my cousin. No, that's not what he said, but it was his cousin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist is tying back to this revelation of the Lamb and the revelation in Leviticus that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Every Jew, all the Pharisees, anybody listening that knew anything about the Pentateuch, knew anything about the law, knew, huh, the Passover Lamb? Is that what you, the Lamb of God? What? He calls him the Messiah. And now if you didn't know that, then it would have been obscure and you wouldn't have understand what he said. But when Jesus died, he died on a cruel Roman cross at the same time. Everybody say at the same time. Now, you say, is this a Thanksgiving message, Pastor? Yeah, it's a Thanksgiving message. Just wait for it. It's coming. Hence the title, Thankful. So... When did Jesus die? He died at the exact time. Not around the same time. The exact time they would kill the lambs to sacrifice them for the Passover. And if you're a Jew, you would bring your family three times. Men would have to show up three times a year to celebrate these festivals. And Passover was one of them. And you would come bringing a lamb. Or you would buy one when you get, got there. A lamb without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. In other words, it wasn't the ugly lamb that had all kinds of warts and fleas and a broken leg. It was, it was the best that you had. It's a picture of giving your best to God in worship, which is a whole nother message. And they would take the lambs, and at a certain time, they would kill the lambs, slaughter them for the Passover. At that time is when Jesus was crucified. So make no doubt about it, the Old Testament here in Exodus 12 ties into New Testament revelation and understanding. The Old Testament is a picture book of the greater things to come which are expressed through Christ in the New Testament. 
So when we apply the blood of the lamb by faith to the doorposts of our heart. So let me just break that down because I had a, had a moment where I realized that somebody asked me, Pastor, what are the big numbers and what are the small ones? Because I, I, what does that mean? And it's a chapter number. Oh, and the small ones? Oh, well, those are verses. And I realized, man, we run over stuff and think that everybody knows everything. They don't know. People don't know. And so what does it mean, the doorposts of our heart? It's a picture that the blood of Jesus, which is applied to the doorposts of your heart, it covers your life when you believe on him, when you repent of your sin and you ask him to forgive you. It is then that the blood covers you over and the destroyer can't touch you. Can't touch you. When we apply the blood of the Lamb, that's the blood of Jesus by faith and the doorposts of our hearts, we stop the destroyer from having rights to us. Hey, wait a minute, man. Are you telling me that if I, that if I don't apply the blood to my heart, then the destroyer has rights to you? Yeah, you know you've been getting your butt kicked. No, nobody needs to tell you that. You know it. Let's move on. Look at the text. Paul, Paul's concern for the Corinthians is that Corinthian, the Corinthians were so proud. And it was a very defiled place. Do you know what I mean by defiled? It was dark. I mean, they had all kinds of nasty things going on. Temple prostitution and idols and, I mean, just really corrupt. In fact, when somebody was really corrupted, you know what you call them? They, they say, oh, he's been Corinthianized. That's an expression from the first century. Oh, why? He's, whew, he's a Corinthian, man. Whoa. And he makes a list. He's rebuking them. He's correcting them because they're so, they're, they're, they're so spiritual, but they're really so proud. And it's going to destroy them. Pride comes before a fall. And he makes a list and he warns them. Paul speaks of the Israelites. And he's using the Israelites as an example. How many of you are grateful for some examples? I, I came up with, a, uh, with, with another brother who is uh, now a tremendous uh, therapist and has his own practice. And he's... He's like an adopted part of my family, Dr. Michael Gannon. Some of you know him. We came up at the same time. In fact, he was ahead of me. for He had been in the church longer and was growing in the things of God. And, and I watched him get in so much trouble that I thought, whew, not doing that. Hey, I'm, that's a great, I'm not, I will never do that. I, I probably said that 50 times. That's exaggerating. At least 10 that I can remember, where he had done something that got in big trouble with Dr. Morocco or made some big mistake, bought a, he bought like a, what was it? He, I think he bought a $5,000 guitar without having, with, with not proper authorization. No, that boy paid for that thing right out of his back pocket. He's like, well, I just thought the church would pay for it. Doctor's like, hey, church ain't paid no $5,000. Slick, you paying for that yourself. <laughs> I, I thought, huh, never do that, right. Never, never do that. And he just, he was a wonderful example. And then I've got some other examples, you know, of people that did lived righteously and, and boldly. I, I was feeding on them. How many say, come on, say, I'm going to feed on good examples. I'm reading, and I talked about an ETS today that's eat the, eat the, Scroll, which is not to be confused with eat the squirrel. Oh, some of you do need to eat it. I was talking about ETS today and this trail of fire. And it's a book about the 10 revivals, 10 major outpourings that had taken place in the world. And one of those was the outpouring that took place in the 1740s with a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. And when I read his schedule, I'm looking at the man's schedule of how much he studied, how much he prayed, how much he fasted, and the impact he had. Do you know that the impact of that man, and there was a team, other people praying for him, there were other preachers and stuff, they would ride horses in a circuit so, uh, uh, so aggressively, week in, week out, that there would wear out saddles. Has anybody ever ridden a horse here? You know what it is to wear out a pair of leather gloves, right? A leather work gloves, a good set. You wear out a saddle. That is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. And they would preach every day of the week. But except they would honor, have one Sabbath rest day. And they had the fire of God spreading through the northeast of our country. And I'm thinking, where are the Jonathan Edwards? I mean, I, I start kind of grumbling, which we'll talk about in a second. I start kind of grumbling, like, 
Where are the Jonathan Edwards? Bunch of slacker generations. And the Lord's like, yeah, where are the Jonathan Edwards? Son, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> starts putting his finger in my chest. And starts, starts saying, have you paid a price to go to the next level? Have you... You know, there's wonderful examples to challenge you to go deeper in the things of God. And that's what I hope to do. Every time I'm with you to bring the word, I hope it stirs something in you. That you're like, man, I want to go deeper. I'm tired of being destroyed. I'm tired tired of getting my carcass kicked all over the place and having strife in my home. And being addicted to meth or being addicted to pot or being addicted to sex. Children's church is upstairs. I'm tired of that. I want something more. I want to be set free. I want to have peace. I want to lie in my bed at night. I want to be delivered. Has anybody grumbled or complained before? I'm thankful for examples. I'm thankful for bad examples, and I'm thankful for good ones. It used to be that I was a bad example and influenced people for the negative. Some of you are influencers for not for God. Of course, not here, probably just online. <laughs> Their problem, uh, pardon me, he warns them, uh, as ex- he uses the Israelites as examples. He warns them about what they had, and he, he warns them about what they did not have. And that's, but I'm, I'm going to go into the real detail, line upon line here, because I want to get to the essence of what I feel like God's saying from this text. So their, their problem was that they followed their evil, into, and they allowed evil to enter into their lives. How? Through idolatry. I preached on witchcraft last Sunday, and uh, if you didn't get that, uh, you need to go get it and listen to it. Somebody said, you need to do a three-part series on that. I said, no, I'm not doing no three-part series on witchcraft. We'll teach people stuff, and then they'll end up doing it, and then I'll be responsible for it. it, it look, be excellent in what is good and innocent of evil. So they had a problem in their lives. One, they were idolaters. They had, they had things that were before the Lord in their life. They had a sexual immorality problem. And in fact, sexual immorality and idolatry are tied together. They testing, the testing of the Lord, they tested, they presumed on him. They presumed on God that he would just wink at their sin. That he would just be okay, you see what you want to hear. The Lord loves you, you know. Huh? Yeah, no. And they they complained or they grumbled. Grumbling or complaining is the same, except I, I like grumbling. Grumbling is to, the, the word is an interesting word, I'll define it. Grumbling is complaining or a, a protest about something in a bad-tempered but typically muted way. So you're angry, you're complaining, and you're, and you're angry in a bad-tempered way, but it's muted. That, that's grumbling. Some of you are like, oh, you sound like my grandpa. Well, just make sure that you don't sound that way. Don't be a grumbler. Come on, somebody say, don't be a complainer. Because to do it releases death. And that's kind of intense. Now, we got Thanksgiving coming up and uh, tomorrow. And we got that special service. This message is entitled, Thankful. And if you're anything like me, if I don't keep my, my gaze set on him and I don't get up in the morning and pray and encourage myself in the word and keep my heart, I mean, I, I had an issue on the way to church tonight. I, I quickly got a hold of myself, but I found that, I don't know, I think it's a generational iniquity. The same thing that happens when I get in my truck. I just get in my truck. I just like driving, you know. I think it's generational iniquity. Anyway, <laughs> my wife helps me with that. And the seatbelt and stuff. And so one of the things, I'll just tell you, when I'm, after I finished studying, I grind all the way up to the end. I wasn't ready till about 6.35, race upstairs, try to iron a linen shirt, which I'm not why, I'm not sure why I do that, because linen never looks like it's ironed after you iron it. <laughs> and then, you know, got, got dressed, came on down, got, I have a routine. So I get my Bible, I've got my iPad, I get my phone, and I'm like, let's go, let's go. Hallelujah, let's do it. And, and I don't want to do anything else. No, really, like, I, I'm not, I'm getting in the truck, I'm driving to church, I'm getting out, we're worshiping, I'm preaching. That, that's how that works. So it's not time to, like, do the dog. It's not time to take trash out. It's not, t- it's not time to do, Pastor Karen's not here, so 
Amen. I'm just going to turn loose a little bit. <laughs> Bless her heart. She slaved all day, made the most amazing pies, and my wife is such an amazing wife. So there was a bunch of stuff that arrived at my house from that UPS guy. And, and I, I don't mean like, that guy was at my house before I got to morning prayer this morning, dropping off stuff for the Chris, women's Christmas tea. Boxes and cups and all kinds of stuff. And so, you know, I already brought one load this morning for morning prayer. And so now it's like, it's time to preach. So I open the door and we go out and Karen's like, can you put all, all those in the truck? I'm like, oh, am I the only one? It's like the last thing in the world I want to do. And I said something like, as I'm picking it up, I'm like, you know, Chris left just a few minutes ago. You could have asked him to do it. That would have helped me out. He said, well, there he goes. Call him. And Chris goes, he just pulled away. I could have whistled, but, you know. And I realized attitude, 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 attitude you're grumbling. And then, I, and then I said this, you know, one of the least things I like doing as I'm picking up the boxes, one of the least things I like doing is being a donkey right before church. I just hate that. And I thought, oh, you, stop, the destroyer. Oh, God. I put the box in the, open up the back seat of my truck, and it's already full. So I press those boxes in with maybe a little bit too much force, and then realized, oh, you've lost it. And I just shut the door, and I'm like, inner peace. <laughs> I didn't do that. I got a hold of myself. And I thought, seriously, you're about to go preach, and this is the message that you're grumbling. <laughs> and I got in to the truck. And Pastor Karen only knows half of it. <laughs> She's on right now, so I have to be careful. And I said to her, oh, you know, sorry, and we got happy and drove to church. There are things in our lives where if you allow yourself to grumble and complain, you can absolutely destroy your relationships. If you're a grumbler and a complainer, I'm just telling you, I don't have you close. I don't want to be friends with you. No offense. Why would I want to be close to somebody who's constantly moaning and complaining? Oh, God. We have to do that again. Oh, can't you plan better? Can't you? Oh, shut up. Be happy that you're breathing. And so I've, I've found in my own life, I, you know, you can make excuses for why you're complaining and grumbling, but it, it's never good. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't carry weight with, with the Lord. It ruins relationships. That you're complaining and arguing will ruin your relationship with God. It'll ruin your relationship with God. Our grumbling challenges his authority. Listen to this now. When you grumble and complain about God, you're basically saying, you know something? I don't think you're doing your job real good. And I think you just need to check your attitude, almighty God. That's what you need to do. You need to check your, you should have made me first. How come Bubba done got the raise and I didn't get no raise? Your name's Bubba, don't be offended. When you start challenging God's authority, why he'd send you to the family you sent, why did that happen? Listen, not everything's from God. Newsflash, somebody said, well, if God, is, if God is real, then why is there evil? God could stomp evil tonight. He just has to kill every one of us. If he killed all of us, then we'd, there'd be no more evil. It would just be the Lord. That'd be it. Wipe out all of humanity. No more evil. There's, there's God's will. The devil has a will. And I'd say there's maybe 150, 200 people here. There's 200 wills in the building right now. So I have a will. You have a will. You got a will, 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 a will. You got a will. You got a will everywhere. A will, will, everyone. You all got wills. So if somebody says, well, if God's real, then how come there's evil? Because somebody chose to, you come on, I just preached on choice on Sunday night. They chose to do the wrong thing. The Corinthians were making a choice to grumble and complain. And when you do that, you will undermine your walk with God. And you're basically saying you're smarter, you know better, and you don't trust Him. 
it undermines his authority and purpose for your life. And, and not only that, our grumbling against godly appointed leaders also can mess us up. I have a whole section here. I want to, let's do it. Let's go to Numbers uh, chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Numbers. It's all the way in the back. <laughs> Numbers uh, 21. So they left Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They go through the, the, uh, the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army has been drowned. Numbers 21. As they come away from that experience of the amazing miracle. Uh, did I say Numbers 21? I meant Numbers 12. Just making sure you're paying attention. They come out of the water, and then Miriam with a tambourine, thank God there's no tambourines in the church tonight, and Miriam with a tambourine prophesies. Some people can play them, most people can't. Okay, tambourines. How many of you know a great tambourine player? See, that's my point. <laughs> D can play tambourine. I just don't think white people can play tambourines. Okay. Call me racist if you want to. I've been around a little while. I've never seen a white woman play a good tambourine. I've never seen it. Seen, seen Puerto Ricans play a good tambourine. I've seen black folks play a good tambourine. I've seen Spanish people. Come on. I've, I've seen Brazilians play congas and great percussion. I've never seen. Anyway, we've gotten up. And if you are here and you're Caucasian, you can play tambourine. Just see Toby, and he'll find a place for you in a small group by yourself. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come on, lighten up. All right. So what happens is they come out of the <laughs> they come out of the Red Sea. Miriam's got the tambourine, and the other women are with her, and she prophesies. It's the song, song of Miriam. It's, it's an amazing passage of Scripture. And just after that, God speaks to Moses and basically says, you're not supposed to do these things by yourself. You need to raise up life group leaders. You need to multiply your leadership. You need to raise up teams. You need to raise up the Nantezes. You need to raise up the Haggertys. You need to raise up people leaders so that they can lead, lift the work from you. And if you'll do that, you'll be able to carry the weight. Well, Miriam and Aaron, do you know who they are? They're the brother and sister, Aaron, Miriam's sister of Moses. And so watch this now. Moses, uh, pardon me, verse chapter 1, uh, verse 1, chapter 12. The big number is 12. Small number, 1. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Oh, no, you didn't. Yes, they did. Because of the Ethiopian, oh, that'll preach. Because of the Ethiopian woman, they were racist. Oh, you better believe it. Ethiopian, she was not a Caucasian. She's an Ethiopian. She's a black woman. Cush is, a, is the area that she came, came from. Because of, that's the wife of Moses. Zephora. All right. So they spoke against, because of the Ethiopian woman who he married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Hmm. Has not he also spoken through us? Because I was prophesying just back there when I came through the red with my tambourine and everything. I got the word of the Lord too. That's what she's saying. I'm not sure she did it quite like that. Has the Lord also spoken to Moses? He's spoken through us, and, and the Lord heard it. Now Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three of the tabernacle of meeting. And he rebukes her, and she ends up, and he rebukes him, she ends up with leprosy. Let me just tell you, there's a, there's a, a full message on this text of being critical, being a grumbler, being a complainer, 
You listen, whoever is elected president, you get your prayer, you get in your prayer closet, you pray your ears off. Trump or Biden. I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to pray for whoever is the president. I'm going to honor whoever is the president. I'm going to back them. I pray for my pastor. I pray for my leaders. I'm going to stand. And there's times where I didn't agree, but I've learned a long time ago to say, quote, Pastor Vince, there's things that are happening I didn't understand, Pastor, but I just lean into leadership and trust the Lord. We're just going to work. We're not talking about immor- immorality. I'm not talking about that. that. That needs to be exposed and repented of, and there needs to be correction. But there are times when you don't understand things. That's where you just pray your ears off and be faithful and be loyal. And this is exactly what Miriam and Aaron didn't do and ended up with leprosy. So many allow for grumbling in your home. You allow for your teenager to grumble against you. Who do you think you are? What do you think you brought me into this world? That's right, baby. I'll take you out too. There are times where we don't understand things. Don't give yourself to grumbling and complaining because it'll break you off with God. It'll break you off with godly leadership. And this is carried through the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Listen to this. Don't associate with him in order that he may feel ashamed. What? Yeah. How about Titus 3.10? Warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time, then kick his vanilla booty to the curb. It doesn't actually say that. It just says have nothing to do with him. Warn him once. It's not three strikes, you're out. That's baseball. That's U.S. baseball. It's two strikes. Once, second time, nothing to do with him. You know, there'd be less strife in churches. There'd be less strife in companies if we would, and, and we do have this rule here. You can't come in here and run roughshod, talk stink, cause all kinds of problems, borrow money, rip people off, talk, talk nonsense about me and my staff. We will drop kick you with the love of God straight out the church. You will find another place. Oh, it's the church. I thought it, yeah, it's a church and there's authority here. We will love you so much that we will remove you and pray that you get changed. But you can't just come up here and hurt people. That ain't going to happen like that. The shepherd has a rod and a staff. And some people need to be spanked. So, and it's done, it's done in love. It's not done in anger. But you can't allow division. You can't allow strife. You can't allow those things in your family. You can't allow them in your business. You can't allow them in, allow them in a church. Matthew 18, 15. It's about correction. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. I've written to you. Listen to this. Don't associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who were immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. So he's saying, don't associate with people that do that, but if, not, not the people in the world. Of course they're going to do that stuff. They're going to drop F-bombs. They're going to they're do stuff. I mean, I was in the gym today with my son. I'm, I'm, Jesus, help me tomorrow morning. Can we just call the intercessors to pray for Pastor Daniel not to be crippled in his legs tomorrow morning? I'm so hurting right now. Jesus, help me. Hallelujah. We're, so we're, we're doing the, we're done. And we're, we're taking these big breaths and chilling and getting our heart rates down. And there's three young adults that are there. And I'm 20, 23, 24, 25 years old. My son has his headphones on. And I listen to their conversation. I mean, it was F-bombs every, and I, I could care less. You're going to curse, drop S-bombs, S F-bombs left and right. I, I could care less, honestly. But if you're a believer and you're doing that, like, you got there's something wrong with you. So somebody doing that in the gym or whatever, awesome. I guess I got somebody to tell, tell about the love of God because they obviously don't have him. And it goes on. It goes on, and I listen to the nonsensical conversation of these young adults. And it seems like, you know, they're in business and they got some things going. Yeah, they're in business. They're selling pot. Oh, did I step into something? Let me come over here. They, they, they have a pot shop. And, I, and I'm picking my shot. I'm, I'm praying my, in the spirit. My son's listening to whatever he's listening to. His headphones are on. They're talking about, man, I got this job effing this and effing that because I looked for an effing job, and now I've got an effing job, and, and there I am, and I'm going to do this thing. That's so awesome. It's selling dope at this new dispensary. I just like, oh, my God. He says, man, it's so chill and so much money, man, and now I don't have to go up to the slope, and I don't have, 
oh, I'm just going to do this. And, and then there's other guys talking about, oh, really, man, I'm going to come and sample your stuff and see if it's any good. And I thought, what is going on? It was everything I could do to just like take a deep breath, and I marked them. Does anybody know what I mean by that? I thought, I've seen you here. I've seen you here, and I don't know who you are. And I went, you're mine. I'm going to get you later. <laughs> Time wasn't then. They are so hurting and so broken and so deceived. Grumbling, complaining. I thought, is our nation going to be run by people that are just dumbed down to, like, my God. If we don't have an outpouring and a revival, <laughs> don't associate with any. So they're of the world, so that's okay. I'm, I mean, that's all right. But he goes on to say, but now I'm writing to you, you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother who is sexually immoral, greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. So literally he's saying, if someone's in the church and you meet and they say they're a Christian, they're shacking up with Susie or Susie shacking up with Johnny and they're smoking dope and they're drinking, they're getting drunk, you shouldn't even associate with them. But please don't get me wrong because I've seen people come in that just had giant patches and dreadlocks and they just get saved one week. That's not where you become the fourth part of the Trinity and ram it down their throat that they should quit everything, get a haircut, and wear a cute little tie like you are. Now, that's where you, like, love people. But there comes a moment then when their eyes are open and they realize, huh, this guy says to me, this guy says to me, you know what, man? You know, I've been coming to church high all the time. I'm like, yeah. He says, uh, you know, I think the Lord doesn't want me to smoke pot and come to church anymore. I'm like, no kidding. He's like, you think that's the Lord? I said, yeah, 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 that's God. He's like, wow, man. Is that in Scripture? I said, sure. I took him on a road and showed him. Shortly thereafter, he had an ant farm in his hair. As he slept in a tent and had dreadlocks. Like, do you know what it is to have an ant farm in your dreadlocks? Anybody, raise your hand if you had an ant farm in your dreadlocks before. <laughs> that just never happened to me. <laughs> he feels led to cut them off. He cuts them off. Do you know he's one of the, one of the wealthiest guys I know today? Because he got a hold of the principles of, God, of the Word of God, and he started living for the Lord. But at the same time, I've had people come in that just refuse to stop shacking up. And I have a big regard for the Holy Spirit. Just let the Holy Spirit touch and help people. I'm not preaching long. Which, what is that clock doing there? Minister Micah, tell me what's going on with that clock right there. Which number's what? Just go ahead, because I could care less. I need to know. The one on the right? Thanks. All right, let's land this bird. You ready? Because we, we got some we got some fixings to get ready for tomorrow. But you're gonna really love this story, so I'm gonna have to tell you. So the lady in our church, you've been in our church for three years. Some of you heard this before, and I was pastor is on the island of Kauai. And uh, we had somebody new come in. They gave their hearts to Christ, gloriously saved, and is drawn to this lady who is still shacking up. Okay? And they're not allowed in leadership, and we're praying for them and encouraging them, but they're allowed to come to church. It's okay. Not allowed to be on the platform. Not allowed to lead. Can't be a small group leader. Okay, there's things that are restricted. You're going to stay in your sin. You can keep coming. We'll love on you, but your promotion and elevation in God is going to be hindered, and we can't let you minister to people because we don't know where your hands have been. Smile at me. So this precious lady that had been there for three years, is having influence with the other ladies in the church. And a new per, new believer comes in, she gets saved, gloriously saved, and connects with her. And so as I'm talking with this new girl, you've been in our church three weeks, I'm talking with her, she's like, this church is amazing, this is amazing, God's amazing, he's doing amazing things. And I just, me and my boyfriend, you know, I'm just moving in with him now. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, what do you mean? I said, that's, I said, that, you just hold up, you don't want to do that. Wait, wait, wait. Why not? She does it. I thought, okay. Well, she ain't going to do it anymore, okay? <laughs> That's not what I said. I said, you know, I, I explained to her. I then had a meeting with this lady who had been in my church for three years, and I told her, you are influencing people for evil. 
stop doing what you're doing. It's your last warning. You're no longer allowed to do it and continue to come. Three years in the church. She had to come apart. She's weeping. The guy couldn't get a divorce that she's with, and they didn't know where his spouse was. You know, it was one of those, like, she's somewhere in the earth. I said, if you will do the right thing, this thing will be brought about. God will, God will make a way for you. Do the right thing. Tonight. I don't mean tomorrow. I mean tonight. So the brother who, had, who they were in together for all those years, went and stayed at somebody's house, moved into brother someone's couch, and they started living right. Within two weeks, see, this wife that he was married to, they couldn't find for years, showed up. He was able to get a divorce, break that thing. They got gloriously married and supernaturally blessed. They're business people on the island of Kauai, supernaturally blessed. All right, 8.23. To keep from grumbling, you got to remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. That's what the feasts were about. God required feasts. Remember, make memorials. Have pictures of how he delivered you and how he brought you out. Remember, have cards. Have art. I love art. I've got a picture of almost every church I pastored. And when I look at those, those pictures, and I, I just think, wow. And I remember, I remember stories and I remember things of God's deliverance and God's power. I looked at a picture of the barn that was on our property, the blue barn. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I saw that on my computer just yesterday. And I looked at it I went, man, look what the Lord has done. And now I go see this 73,000 square foot building. It's a memorial. God brought us from that little itty bitty barn. And we're going to move from this little itty bitty barn over to a brand new building. Can you say amen? Come on, remember. And stop grumbling. Stop. Remember, if he did it before, he can do it again. So remember what he's done. Remember what he's doing. We're not victims. We're victors in Christ. And if you don't, if you grumble, it'll undermine your walk with the Lord. It'll undermine your walk with God with leadership. And it'll undermine your walk with your spouse and with your kids. You've got to appreciate your spouse. You've got to appreciate your children. When's the last time you told your kids you were thankful? When's the last time you looked into their face and you communicated to them how much you loved them? Danny, has it been a little while? Son. I love you. Even though you hurt me today. Tell your kids that. Don't grumble. About, Is your room dirty again? How many times do I have to take? You're constantly you're constantly grumbling about your kids, you're going to break their spirit. And if you break a, a kid's spirit, it's a painful thing. And it's got to get healed. Be thankful for who God has given you. Come on, is anybody thankful for somebody? Come on, be thankful. Don't be a grumbler. The point is be thankful, worship team. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be complimentary. Speak words of life. Be grateful. The fact, in fact, the word in the Greek is eucharistic. Eucharista? Eucharista. Nine times. How many of you have heard of that word before? Kind of sounds like Eucharist. Right. And that, how many of you know what the Eucharist is? Another word for the communion. And the word means thankful or grateful. Thankful or, or grateful. Have a thankful heart. Desire to show appreciation. Have a desire to do it. Be, be thankful. Come on, make a list of all the things that you're happy about. The things that you're thankful for. It's a feeling of goodwill. A desire to repay in favor for the Lord, bless Him and, and others. Eucharistic is the main word used in the New Testament for gratefulness and thanksgiving. New Testament writers encourage us to be grateful. I stepped on the gas, as you can tell. Ephesians 5 and 4, Let there be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Giving of what? Thanks. Shouldn't have bitter water and sweet water coming out of your mouth. Be on God's building crew, not on the devil's wrecking crew. Old Testament gratefulness or gratitude and thanksgiving is, is a work of true worship. The Psalms, you read through the Psalms, how many times it's, it just says, you know, give thanks to the Lord. Give this Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord of all the earth. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. That's not with grumbling and complaining. It's with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. Say that. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. How many of you know? Do you know that one? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is a day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. <laughs> he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice. How many of you know that? He has made me glad. You think about that. It's a psalm. You enter into his presence with thanksgiving. I want to tell you, you grumble and complain. You ain't going into his presence. You can stay on the outside with leprosy. And a destroyer sitting on top of your head, pulling all your hair out. Destroying your stuff. Actually, there's a whole group of people called the Levites. You know what their jobs were? To thank the Lord. Their job was to worship. What do you do? I'm, I thank God. What do you do? I'm a thanker of Almighty God. They're a leader of worship. I was in Woodenville, Washington, under great duress prior to being saved. Flipping through the channels, so depressed and so despondent. Close to getting a divorce, this before Karen, before I got saved. Got a divorce soon thereafter. I'm sitting there with one of those TVs that had a tube. Some of you remember those. And I'm like going through the channels and it hits a gospel station. And it was one of these, you know, a hundred people with all robes on. And then this guy out front, like, like Toby does when our choir sings occasionally, we have choir numbers. A guy out front. The man had to have a 50-inch vertical, which I will have in about three months, in Jesus' name. And my son said, hey, man. How many of you know what a vertical is? It's ability to, if I'm not doing that again, we'll get hurt. We'll pop a hamstring or something. That guy, that guy, he was getting so much air. And he said over the mic, I am anointed to thank God. I thank him in the morning and I thank him at night. I thank him in the noontime. I thank him that he saved me. Thank him that he healed me. Thank him that he set me free. Thank you that you provided. I'm anointed to thank God. I'm going to thank him all the days of my life. He's worthy of my, I thank him. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Oh, I thank you. Oh, I thank you for healing me, delivering me, and setting me free. Thank you. Come on, say it. Thank you, Lord. Come on, say it again. Thank you, God. Come on, say it again. You're not grumbling over here, are you? All right. Wouldn't want to release, release a destroyer. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me, healing me, healing me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Just want to thank you. Lift your hands. The festivals and their processions were, were a way of thanking or worship services in the Old Testament. That's what we need to have. We need to have people that'll begin to thank Him. Don't grumble, don't murmur, don't complain to release a destroyer. Be thankful. Won't you stand up on your feet all across this place? 
up, Lord. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my church, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Come on, right out loud. Do I have to do it out loud? Yeah, it helps. It helps you. Come on. Come here, Pastor Vince. What are you thankful for? Come and tell us. Come on, come and tell us. I thank you, Jesus, that when I look out my window in the morning, it's not Cleveland. Hallelujah. Come on, Minister Barry. What are you thankful for? Come on. I'm thankful, Lord, that you never turned your back on me. And when I needed you, you rescued me and you set me free. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my pastor that preaches the word that set me free. Thank you, Father, for my salvation and for my beautiful family that is there for me every day. Come on, Sister Toby. Come up here. Come on. What are you thankful for? Come on, say it. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for life because, like Pastor said, that car accident, I had one years ago, and God showed me. I wasn't supposed to make it, so I'm alive. I'm thankful to be alive. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to go to crazy praise to God. Come on, Brother Toby. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for my wife bringing me to the Lord. I'm thankful you for my pastor loving on me. I'm thankful you for him being the man of God that he is and allowing me to be the man of God that I am. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Come on, Minister David. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for a wife that keeps me accountable in who I am in God and will constantly push me forward because I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm thankful for my beautiful wife. I'm thankful for my two children that love me very much. I'm thankful for my pastor, my church. I'm thankful that I took a skydive 35 feet out of a building. I shattered my pillow bone to three places and I didn't die. But I'm thankful for you. Again, time two. 2008, I was in New York City, your hood, and I dropped my phone out of a fire escape. So I went down the fire escape ladder to get my phone. You get to the ladder where you pull it down. I thought the ladder was down, but it was not. So I started climbing down. I lost my balance. I fell 35 feet. Police, police report says 35 feet. Shattered my pelvic bone into three chunks. Reconstructive surgery. Head blew up in the size of a watermelon. And I'm here today. Come on, somebody. Come on, John Duke. Evangelist John Duke, welcome home. What are you thankful for, man? I'm thankful he ripped me out like a twig in the fire. Hallelujah. Come on. I'm thankful that he healed my marriage. He gave me kids. Hallelujah. He gave me a ministry. Hallelujah. And he filled me with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Bless you guys. Hey, Chris, where's my brother? Come here, man. <laughs> this is my brother, Chris. What are you thankful for? Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew he was going to do this. I'm so thankful for the Lord. And <laughs> all the amazing things that God has just blessed me with. I mean, if it, were, if it were fair and if God played by the rules, I should be dead for everything that I've done. But there's grace every day. And I'm never going to get more filled with his love than I am right now. So I'm thankful for the very blood that pumps every cell in my body and for this amazing body of Christ right here. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You know, we could go on and on and on by lifting up his name and glorifying God. Come here, Marisa, come here. Come on, Marisa, what are you thankful for? I know your whole story. God's amazing, isn't he? Whole story, but okay. Yes, he is. He's so amazing. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the fact that every single time I messed up, 
every single time on the other side of that, God was always extending his hand to me to draw me closer to him. And he always turns bad things for good because he loves me and I'm called by his name. Come on, put your hands together for God all across this place. You can do a little bit better than that. you got to learn to be thankful. He saved me. Come on, he healed you. Sherry, come and tell us what you're thankful for. Come on, tell us. I'm thankful that God was patient with me and that he called me to stand behind a sacred desk and preach his pure, unadulterated word of God to set the captives free. I'm thankful that I'm a grandma. That's the best. I'm thankful for awesome children and that they serve God and that they love the Lord. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for your precious wife and this church that have caught, that allowed me to be a friend and a partner here, and I just love you all, and I pray you all have a blessed Thanksgiving. Come on, for the Lord, put your hands together. Come on, we're going to worship one time, and we'll turn you loose and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. given your life to Jesus, if the blood of Jesus isn't on the doorposts and the lentils of your heart, it gets put there by faith. You just believe that Jesus died in your place, and then on the third day he rose again, and you ask him to forgive you and to come into your life, and everything changes. This is not, we're not just gathered to just have some intellectual learning, these testimonies that we could go the rest of the night into the morning about how God found us, saved us, healed us, provided for us, how, how we should be dead, how he just intervened over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what else? He's going to do it over and over and over again because he's faithful. Even when we're faithless, he's faithful. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do not leave this place in that condition. You say, Pastor Daniel, that's me. Would you, would you raise your hand if that's you? You want to get right with God. You want heaven to be your home. Just put your hand in the air right now. God bless you. Put your hand up high. You want to get right with God. You've never received Jesus. All right. God bless you. Praise God. Pray this right out loud. Close your eyes. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. And to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll close. I ask God that you would bless and touch and fill your people supernaturally with your power, God. Break every chain, every bondage. Break off addiction. Break off any idolatry and release your power. And God, we pledge, I pledge, that I will not be a grumbler. I will give you thanksgiving and I will have my heart filled with gratitude. 
for all you have done. Now bless your people, God. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. <laughs> be, gra be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an awesome Thanksgiving. We love you. We'll be back here tomorrow morning, 7 to 8, one-hour service. Love to have you with us. And uh, that, that, that'll take the place of morning prayer. Have an amazing Thanksgiving. God bless you and your family. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.